Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you, no, I bet not, so you're not a man. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that open gets the energy going. Episode 47, and before we even introduce everybody of course we've got to give our love to our loyal listeners in moscow russia yeah and france and leesburg virginia couple or three of the most uh, random locations but they listen on the regular hardball hards we call them willie d the right. hat guy the last stand hats michael murphy he is working diligently and of course we have a special guest co-host the pride of Pearland, Texas, former Longhorn great, retired NFL star, a man of his community, Fozzie Whitaker. Stories inside the man cave. It has been long overdue, but we really are grateful to have you in, Foz. Man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks uh, for, for reaching out, number one, Absolutely. and having me on the podcast, man. This is, a, this is a fun thing. I know I've had a relationship with you for quite some time now, so being able to <laughs> still be able to interact and relate and, and talk about things that have happened over my life since I first right. got to the 40 acres is uh, always a, a blessing and, and a fun opportunity. Absolutely, man. You have been a, a tremendous asset, not only to the university of Texas, but to this uh, Austin community uh, Longhorn network analyst. Now, I guess talk about how that all began for you and uh, your relationship with that network. Yeah, so uh, Longhorn Network first came to Austin my senior season, 2011, uh, and that was my kind of first experience in kind of getting a taste of what it would look like if I wanted to be an analyst or a broadcaster uh, on TV. And growing up, you know, people used to always say that I could speak well or that whenever the camera was pointed in my direction, I just could find the way to, uh, I guess, say the right things. And I kind of took that to heart while I was uh, in school. My undergraduate is in communication uh, and kind of thought that could help me and point me in the direction that I wanted to go once I finished playing football. And uh, uh, Longhorn Network was an opportunity that I, I just kept bugging Andy Wall, who is the executive producer there now. I uh, just kept bugging her, hey, keep me in the loop. Let me know if I can do something. Let me know if I can come on Pro Day and be a guest. And, uh, come on to one of the shows and be a guest for, for game day, uh, you know, before the game starts or after the game for post game. And, uh, man, she found ways to fit me in over the years. Uh, and last year was my first time being able to actually work the entire game day experience. I was able to work six games with LHN and had an absolute blast. And so this year is my first full year. Uh, being able to work all the games and, and cover everything that the Longhorns are doing. And uh, just did the National Signing Day show yesterday covering uh, all the recruits that Tom Herman and class uh, or in company signed in the 21 class in the early session so far. So, uh, man, it's a dream come true. I get to be able to do the TV broadcast role, TV analyst personality as well. Uh, but at the same time, I get to be local in, in Austin and be around my family and be flexible uh, from that standpoint. So for me, man, it was a match made in heaven and just 
uh, truly best blessed to be in a position to be able to, uh, you know, help LHN and help my family at the same time. Hey, I got a question for you, Fozzie, and it's kind of yes, funny sir. because I crack up every single time that y'all's names go across LHN and they've always got a, <laughs> they've always got a profile underneath you about, Hey, I had a carpool to work today when you had to pick up Michael Griffin that one day. I mean, some of that stuff that you guys do with each other, man, talk about the behind the scenes stuff, because I know as a former athlete and you're with teammates or people from the 40 acres that you have been yeah. with, and y'all all can go through your different stories. Talk about that relationship as far as you're not in the locker rooms as much anymore, but you're in the mm -hmm. locker room when you get a chance to talk to your buddies. Yeah, that's really what the atmosphere really is similar to, is being in that locker room type atmosphere, being around all the people that I had, you know, played ball with, uh, went to workouts with, practiced with. And uh, the number one mentor, that has been a huge help to getting me at least even on this path and on my radar was, was Lowell Galindo, who's been the anchor since LHN came here. I call him the face of, of LHN since he's been the longest tenured guy. Uh, you know, we say LG, but he just told me yesterday that his, his nickname prior to coming here from ESPN, he was L train. So <laughs> So that's kind of behind the scenes that now I'm going to start calling him L-Train to be able to get on, on the new ESPN, you know, relationship that we have. But, man, he's been a, a great mentor to me. Uh, and, and then another guy that has blown up tremendously, Emmanuel Acho. That was a guy whose brain I picked all the time, every single week, man. I'm asking him certain things about, you know, how did you prepare for this segment? You know, what are the things that you did or whenever you're breaking down film that allowed you to uh, display that accurately on TV where the listeners or the viewers are able to follow with you without getting too complicated in whatever scheme or breakdown that you're doing. And so uh, those two guys really played a huge role in kind of getting me, number one, at LHN, and then number two, feeling comfortable, uh, you know, the more I was in front of the, the, the camera. So. Uh, it is an absolute blast with Griff, though. Griff has a personality that will make you, like, truly That's my laugh. dog, man. He cracks man, me no up. No question. He will make you laugh no matter what. Uh, and, and the best part about Griff is that he's going to keep it 100% real no matter what. So it, even though he's a Texas alum, if Texas is not doing well, <laughs> he will let you know Texas is not doing well in whatever aspect or area that they're feeling. So – that's one thing that I truly love about Griff. Uh, he, he doesn't hold back, but uh, you know, Griff and I were teammates in Carolina. He, he and I missed one year from each other uh, on the 40 acres, but uh, the relationship that I have with the guys that came before me, it's the same way with Ricky Williams, former running back, obviously a Texas legend, NFL legend, a great, uh, just, he, he is soft-spoken. Everybody knows and talks about, you know, how, how meek, his uh his demeanor is but it, it's so cool whenever you see either something or somebody get under his skin <laughs> and then and then you're able to see how he really reacts whenever his emotions get going and so uh I get to see all that on LHN and that's kind of what happens in the locker room man you have so many different personalities so many different people from different backgrounds uh that comprise an entire team that normally everybody would not have probably been in the same situation together if it wasn't for sports or if it wasn't for LHN or the broadcast where we're covering 
the Longhorn. So mm-hmm. it, it's truly a fun atmosphere. Probably the best conversations happen off of air, uh, but uh, <laughs> all the jokes that we say and just talking about oh, one another. But uh, they, it, it's truly just, uh, like I said, it's, it's really, really fun to be able to, to do what we love to do and cover football. All right. So speaking of telling how it is and where the program's at, let's just dive into this recruiting class, right? UT lost, <laughs> UT lost some recruits, you know, we, you know, not only 2021, but the huge one in Ewers in 2022. But let's yeah. stick to 2021. How do you feel about the guys coming in in this early signing period? I know we still got a little bit of time left, but mm-hmm. what, what are your, what's your initial take? Yeah, the funny thing is a lot of people around Texas right now are like up in arms as if this is the worst class ever. <laughs> And, and the reason it's it's like like what what is going on? Because Herman has brought in a top ten class the first three years that he's came in, right? So that's kind of I guess a a, high, a very high standard that he set whenever he came to the University of Texas. But if a down year means even before signing period is over with, you're at sixteen according to the ESPN rankings. I think that's still fairly good given the circumstances around, you know, job security was an issue that was discussed. He even talked about it in his presser about how, you know, CDC came out with the statement to, uh, you know, basically say that he was going to be the coach of the future, but they had to have some conversations uh, with some of the recruits that were committed at that time. And CDC was even offered as somebody that would talk to the recruits and the parents of the recruits. So given the circumstances that you dealt with that around the season, uh, just all the outside noise. And then you look at what the coaches had to go through as a coaching staff from, you know, Yersich getting hired and not being able to travel around all these schools. Uh, There are about four or five guys that Herman and staff have not even gotten to meet in person. And these kids committed to them and signed their letter of intent without even stepping on campus. Like that is crazy that, that with all those circumstances dealing around COVID, all the circumstances dealing around the program that you still have a a top 20 class signing class in the early period with 18 recruits that signed. Jatavian Sanders, number one is probably the best player that I've seen live and on film uh, in quite some time. Just his skill set, what he can do is unbelievable. And the fact that he committed and signed his letter of intent to Texas just shows you that, you know, he's all in. And he, he, he sees something within this program that he can, number one, help. And then the history behind, uh, you know, what Texas football has been. You know, he wants to be a part of that. And then I look what at side guys. Of the ball that can, you, what side of the ball, real quick, do you see Sanders oh, yeah. on? I see both. Herman, Herman said it yesterday in his presser about, uh, they want to utilize him on both sides of the ball, which I absolutely love. If you're good and an athlete and able to uh, to be used in that way, then please, by all means, do it. Now, where I see him projecting the most uh, successful at is at the defensive end position. And if he can make an immediate impact, he could possibly be the person to replace Joseph Osai in that jack position because he's so fast, quick twitch, has great hands, a great motor. Uh, somebody that can move extremely well in space, but I also see a red zone package with his name on it that allows him to use that same size and athleticism to go get some of those jump balls uh, like he did in that You Got Moss segment that he had a couple of weeks ago where 
he caught the ball on a one-handed snag like he was catching it on on my little son Frost. I, I said it looked like my uh, he had a son trying to climb up on his leg while he was catching it. But that's the type of skill set that he possesses a, a, a true like just beast on the field. So I would love to see him flourish at that jack position that Joseph Osai had so much success with under Ash this year, but at the same time, utilizing him in the red zone as a, as a true target because him up against a smaller defensive back, to me, is a mismatch no matter who the defensive back is. So uh, I could see him being utilized that way and very well at both positions. Fozzie, you know, I'm trying to look at this at, from an objective point of view. You know, you – you know the standards that when you were recruited were set so high, you know, because mm-hmm. Coach Brown written the resurgence of, of Texas football. From an objective point of view, I, I have to agree when you look at the quality of the guys which are signed. The only negative I see is the lack of old linemen. I think there were only two yes. signed. But Correct. there are so many storylines with so many of these guys. You got J.D. Coffey. Derek Harris Jr., the defensive end, yep. he's a tremendous swimmer. And, yeah. and, and people are joking a matter of time before Eddie Reese gets his hands on him. <laughs> um, my favorite guy, though, that I don't think a lot of people are talking about out of this class, Byron Murphy II from DeSoto. Yes. Defensive lineman. Super quick twitchy guy. What is – I mean, you're – you know, just got some feedback on him, some evaluation on this guy and how big of a yeah. talent he is. Yeah, so obviously a lot of people have garnered the attention to the DeSoto defensive line, to their standout defensive end, who obviously deserves a lot of the credit that he's gotten. But the success that he has seen was originally created from uh, Byron Murphy because of what havoc and chaos he has created on the interior of, of the offensive line. It takes at least two people to try to knock this guy off of track but with his, I guess, shorter stature, he's listed as 6'1", a guy that's 6'1". So with his uh, shorter stature, uh, he, he's just naturally quicker than a lot of centers and guards that he's placed upon. But the thing about it, about him, is that he's so fast in a small space. You know, he's very powerful and strong, but his quick twitch fibers and muscles allow him to be very effective. I did I took it too far on LHN, and I was telling Lowell, I guess Lowell took it too far whenever we were talking about it, but I said he has a a, a build similar to like an Aaron Donald. Like he can grow into a frame like that. Now, not saying he's as dominant of a player. Yeah, that's a little much, dog. That's That's a a little much. That's a stretch. And I clarified that, but Lowell, you know how Lowell get, man. He'll run with it. So I didn't want him to run with it, but he has that type of frame where he can be a smaller, quick-twitch guy that can get off the ball very fast and create some havoc uh, for opposing offensive linemen. And that's kind of what he put on film uh, each, and, each and every game throughout his time while he was at DeSoto. So uh, I am really excited about him. I'm excited about Jaden Alexis, who's a guy from Florida. That's a, a real speed demon. He clocked a 4-4-1 at the opening. Uh, you know, hand time, that's 4-3. Uh, given wow. given a given that and just the lack of playmakers that Texas had put on display on the outside of the ball from a speed perspective, uh, nobody possesses that type of speed on this team at the moment. So uh, I'm very excited to see what he can do, being able to possibly take some of those quick bubble hitches, screens, uh, and, and and go to work like he did in high school. Another guy you you mentioned him just now, Sean, was uh, J D. Coffee. 
Uh, he's a guy that's just a ball hawk. 14 interceptions in 36 career games in high school. Like, Unbelievable. Like he knows exactly how to find the ball. And, and Mike Griff alluded to guys that play the safety position very well should also be able to return punts and catch kicks. And that's what J.D. Coffey can do as well. He was the punt returner for their team, and he has a couple returns for touchdowns. Uh, just the type of player that he is, a knack for the ball, uh, it's just a baller, man. And what I like about this class is, like, like we talked about, they're ranked number 16 in the ESPN uh, rankings, but they look to have actual gamers, people that can play the game. It's not just stars because we know stars don't necessarily translate to the field. Absolutely. There have been plenty of guys that were five-star rankings and didn't see the field until their junior or senior year and still didn't pan out. And then there are other guys like Earl Thomas, who was a three-star, barely a three-star ranking guy that hindsight 2020, everybody would have recruited him if they knew how he was going to turn out. So I, I look at it like the stars are meaningless. They're a way to label somebody or something going into the season. But once you step on campus, man, those stars go out the window and you got to earn your, your keep just like everybody else uh, across the team and everybody else across the conference and everybody else across the nation. So uh, at the end of the day, it looked like Herman got guys that can actually play football, which is what is the most important thing, in my opinion. We're talking to Fozzie Whitaker, lifetime Longhorn. You can see him on LHN, former NFL uh, kickoff returner, which I really liked you return at kickoffs. I know you had your good runs with Cam uh, uh, at running back, but I loved you when you was getting that ball on a kickoff return run. <laughs> uh, every time you touch it, I thought you was going to take it to the house. But I want to talk to you about Jonathan Brooks. I mean, yep. this kid from Hallettsville, uh, he, he reminds me a little bit of you, to be quite honest with you, because the way he's elusive and the way he tries to make people miss the him in space. Uh, talk about him. He's playing for a state championship tonight. Uh, yeah. And you can see him, you can see him on uh, Fox sports Southwest. And, and uh, tell me a little bit of what you noticed on him on film, because Tom Herman said yesterday, he's a guy that should be one of the elite backs and talked about being an elite back. Yeah, I'm 100% with Herman. And, and given his background, man, he was a part of a team that went 3-7 and seven Jonathan Brooks' sophomore year. And you look at – nobody even really knows where Hollisville, Texas is. I don't even know if, if any of us have been there. I know I haven't. <laughs> I, I don't even know where it's, it's at. Near, it's near Shiner. It's near Shiner <laughs> and Schoenberg. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Where is that at? <laughs> but I, I look at it. But this is a guy – that literally was two years ago, you know, going home after the season was over with, trying to figure out, you know, how do I get this team better? What do I need to do in order to help get this team better in a position where we are successful? And two years later, you see a guy that has put in hard work. One game, he rushed for over 500 yards and had seven touchdowns. And that literally just shows you he put the team on his back and was not going to quit without getting the results that he wanted. And that's the type of hard worker he is. Like you mentioned already, they're playing for their first ever state championship title. So they never made it to state. This was a guy that was able to do that in a very, very small town playing against, uh, you know, the, the, the Jim Ned fighting Colt McCoys. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to be <laughs> a, a great matchup, uh, in my opinion, because there's a lot of history uh, there at Jim Ned. So, um, but what he does well and what he does, in my opinion, the very best is his lateral feet, 
his movement, his vision. He is a patient back, number one. But whenever he sees it, he knows how to use his blockers to his advantage and able to cut right off of those blocks to create separation and give himself an opportunity to get those big gains to allow him to have a 500-yard game. He's very elusive. He's a six-foot, or he's listed as six-foot 185, but he almost looks like a taller running back whenever you look at it. But whenever you turn on the film and actually watch him play, he plays like he's 5'10 or 5'9. That's how shifty he is. Nobody gets a clean hit on him. Nobody's able to just, like, pop him straight up and, and he goes, like, right down. That's not his game, a part of his game. Like, he's always had an angle on somebody or he's always taking on somebody, uh, you know, half of their body. He's never getting hit squarely on it. So I, I look at that and I say, how can that translate at the next level? And I see what Bajan and I see what Roshan have done. They don't get hit square on, you know. They're, they're taking an attacking angles. And then whenever the opportunity presents itself, they can stick their foot in the dirt and be able to get vertical on the drop of a dime. And this is the exact same qualities that, in my opinion, Jonathan Brooks possesses. And, and not only that, I talk about him rushing for 500 yards and seven touchdowns in the game, but this guy is a heck of a receiver as well. You turn on the film, they split him out wide, they put him in the slot formation, and they, they throw it to him out of the backfield, and he catches the ball like it's natural for him. So uh, being able to have that as a pass catcher and a dominant runner, like that that just fits in with everything that Tom Herman wants to implement with, with uh, Yersich on this offensive side of the ball. So I could see him being a plug-and-play guy that can be a rotational-type player uh, in the first year with Bijan and Roshan right. and, and getting some valuable snaps uh, this season, this upcoming season. Let's talk about, let's talk about returners, like returning players that are coming back. Uh, the rumor uh -huh. is Brennan Eagles is thinking about leaving. That's a possibility. So if you lose him, you still have more. And, um, what, you know, Washington, Shuler. Yeah, um, Whittington, yeah. Whittington uh, Jake Smith. Jake Smith. Smith. That's what I was thinking of, Jake Smith. Uh, then you have Omir that everybody's almost kind of like they forgot about who was having a great yeah. camp. Baller, that, right? So, so just, just so you know, Troy Omir is my favorite receiver right now. Really? So okay. <laughs> and he was, he was making waves. <laughs> Give us details. We got hurt. Yeah. Give us right. details. Uh, well, so looking at him last year, so I got to do National Signing Day last year in February, uh, and Troy O'Meary, uh, you know, out of Houston, uh, the Houston area, nobody has really put out any players from that school that he's from, too. It's kind of like a, um, just a, just a middle-of-the-road team out in Fort Bend, but this guy, whenever you turned on the tape, you had to see, okay, what school is he at? What is he doing? He is so smooth, I compared him to like how Roy Williams and Lyman Swede was able to line up, have that big frame, move very well, but the thing they did best was locate the football no matter where it was whenever it was coming to them and come down with the catch. No matter how hard it was, they could do those things exceptionally well. And whenever I look at Troy O'Meary's film and then whenever I saw a little bit of, of training camp uh, in the fall, he was able to do that, and he looked fast. I know he's not a blazer. He's not 4'3 like Jaden Alexis, but his long stride, once he got going, I didn't see too many people catching him. But he has just insane ball skills, and that's what really intrigued me about him. I, I hate that he tore his ACL, but 
Uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Uh, and I think next year we'll really see what he's, what he's really about because I, I truly believe he's going to be one of the better receivers uh, for the go-to guy. Whoever the quarterback is next year, if Sam's coming back or if Hudson's going to be starting or Casey's starting, whoever's going to be, they're going to know where Troy O'Meary is lined up on the field and get him the ball. I mean, you kind of just alluded to it, so now we have to talk about it. Sam coming <laughs> back? Is Sam coming back? I mean, he – Herman said we're going to miss him, but then all of a sudden we're hearing all this other stuff that now Sam is <laughs> coming back. Do you think he should come back? So here's my take on it. I know Herman said we'll miss him. Um, I know Sam has accepted the invite to the Senior Bowl. Correct. Um, and, in my opinion – I think Sam should should go ahead and, and, and head to the NFL, you know. And the reason why I say that is because, for me, he has done everything that you have asked him to do at the University of Texas. He has given his heart, his soul, his blood, sweat, and tears, his body, the physical abuse that he's taken. He's given every single thing to this university, uh, and he's left it all out on the field. And I don't think that he has – he has anything else that he needs to prove from a standpoint of what he's already given the university. So mm -hmm. I believe Sam will go ahead and take the next step of going to the senior bowl, hopefully impressing some scouts and then getting an opportunity to get drafted and making an NFL roster because he he's done all that he can uh, at this level and given himself and his team an opportunity to be successful. So uh, I believe he moves on. Uh, you know, here in the next couple of months and, and starts preparation for the NFL. Is it Hudson Card? I'm sorry, guys. I'm asking all the questions. Right? <laughs> is it Hudson Card or is it? Uh, hey, everybody wants to know. That's, I mean, I wish I knew too. I, I want to know. <laughs> I think Casey will get the nod because obviously he has longer tenure here. He's been here a little bit longer. Uh, he's also gotten a couple more reps than Hudson Card has, obviously. Uh, being the backup to Sam for the past couple of years. I think he gets the start, but the moment that something probably doesn't go his way, I think the coaching staff would be looking to insert Hudson Card a little bit earlier than typical dealing with, you know, what, what Hudson Card's upside is and what he can do, man. This guy, uh, I was very high on him. I had him as my most exciting player for, uh, the class last year just because of everything that he did and put on film for Lake Travis, uh, a, a guy that can just throw it with pinpoint accuracy, throw it on the run, uh, a guy that can also run. I think his legs kind of went unnoticed, but he can be a very effective runner if you ask him to be. And uh, I think he kind of fits the the mold of what Tom Herman likes at quarterback the same way that uh, you know, Mike Yersich likes that quarterback whenever he was at Oklahoma State is that type of dual threat uh, guy that can force the issue on the edge of the ball, uh, on the edge of the, of the perimeter if he if he needs to get flushed out of the pocket. So Hudson Card checks all those boxes and then able to throw a, a beautiful deep ball, which kind of kind of we haven't really seen in the past few years. And so it would be nice to add that element. Uh, if he can have that accuracy and, and hone in on it. But Casey Thompson, in my opinion, gets the nod to begin with, and then Hudson Card is going to have to show that he's that much better to be able to win over the starting job. Now, of course, you guys know that they, they also signed Charles Wright from Austin yep. High School, uh, a guy that um, has been trained and put in a lot of work by Chooks. 
uh, Nwabako, uh, he trains a lot of the athletes around here, mm-hmm. along with Mike Davis, and and you've you've seen him. He's he's a project guy, but he's one of those guys that I think a lot of people are overlooking. That uh, I'm not projecting when he would get an opportunity, but he's I think he's a little underrated for for you know as far as star rating. Dude, what is your feedback yeah. on Charles Wright? I mean, you look at it, and, and Lowell kind of made this reference yesterday, was his role immediately won't be to impact the team as a starter come day one, but he can be a very liable, solid backup role. Like, and, he, and, and Lowell mentioned, you know, Colt McCoy behind Daniel Jones right now in, in New York. You know, that's kind of the role that I could see Charles Wright playing as well, is being that backup that's capable of going in there and being efficient and effective uh, but at the moment, you know, whenever you first looking at him on campus, he probably won't make an immediate impact on the Texas team uh, here in the next year or so. But uh, what I what I love about him, I've been actually training his his old center, his center that went to SMU this year uh, that played under center or was the center for him last year. And he tells me stories about Charles and, uh, you know, how confident he is in his arm and that shows in his play. Uh, we, we all know Austin High doesn't really have, you know, the, the best talent or athletes right. around him. But uh, the, the bright spot is he was able to make his teammates better. And whenever you look at somebody that can do that, the type of leadership qualities that they possess, you know, having played whenever he was a freshman at Austin High uh, and all the things and the experience that he's learned and taken into account, you know, experience, you you, you can't put a price on that. You can't put you know, a price on the leadership qualities and the leadership tendencies that he's gained at the high school level. Now, at the collegiate level, he's going to have to prove those tendencies uh, to his teammates. But I think he's in a solid place to be able to learn from Casey and Hudson uh, if Sam does leave, uh, to be able to create a a nice little role for him until his time comes. And I I looked at it like this and – (laughs) <laughs> Lowell also got mad at me. And am I in no way saying this will happen? But I said Joe Burrow was a guy that only had one year. He was a backup at Ohio State, transferred, and he literally nice. came into the fold his his senior season and balled out and was the number one pick after that. That's so uh, it's, it, it, it proves to you that you don't necessarily need four years to be a starter. You don't need three years, two years. You can come in – have a huge impact as a one-year starter and get drafted in the first round and make a lot of money and be a positive impact for whatever collegiate team that you're a part of. So, are you uh, saying that? Are you saying that Joe Brady needs to come be the coach <laughs> of Texas? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a hot take right See, now that Joe go. Brady is the next head coach of University of Texas. <laughs> Man, if I was Joe Brady, I don't think recruiting is probably, you know, interesting for him anymore. And and I say that because I, I've talked to some coaches at the at the collegiate level and I've talked to some coaches at the uh, professional level and they say the biggest headache probably is recruiting and dealing with the kids and <laughs> academics. That's and so funny. getting to the NFL at the at the professional ranks is is a lot of times what guys are trying to get to so that they don't have to deal with recruiting and all the off the field extracurricular activity so I'm not sure if Joe Brady is is trying to do that or not but I think he's set up pretty solid in Carolina right now <laughs> let me ask you about Carolina Cabo fish taco did you ever have it while you were in Charlotte no question 
No oh, question. So it good. Is, it is delicious. That and, and Paco's Tacos. Are Paco's Tacos is so good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my wife Paco's used to live tacos, in Charlotte. Yeah. Paco's Tacos is a, is a Tex-Mex place. So yeah. they, they had Tex-Mex out there in Charlotte, and I love Paco's Tacos. That's where I would typically go if I wanted Mexican food because, obviously, it reminded me of back home. So Absolutely. Uh, and they made some excellent shrimp tacos. Uh, matter of fact, next time I go to Charlotte, that's where I'm going to probably first. Right. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate the kumbaya and all the good stuff about the quarterback, <laughs> but I'm bringing it to you real. I am pissed off that we do not have Jaquindon Jackson well, I'm not saying he left yet. I'm not saying he's left yet. He's right. entering himself in the transfer portal. That is the person that I am truly upset with. I know people love Hudson Card. I was a guy who was real big on Hudson Card. My former co-host was like, I don't think he's going to play at the next level. I'm like, he's going to play. At <laughs> he's the a unique talent. He's, he could play anywhere on the field. He saw him as a wide receiver. I said he's going to play quarterback. But Jaquindon Jackson entering the transfer portal is something that is driving me nuts, Fozzie. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's driving me nuts is because that is a transcendent type of player. And I know he's coming off of an ACL. You can yeah. speak to your ACL problems. And you came back and you busted your tail. And you came back and brought it. And I think this kid is a dog. I think he is somebody – you you were around Vince Young. You know what he brought to it. Right. He wasn't right. – that people criticize his throwing style. People criticize this. People criticize that. But VY, when he stepped on that field, he brought it, he and you knew he was going to win. Jaquindon Jackson played in the state championship game two years in a row. He is, and he's a baller. And 100%. I don't think people are making a big enough story about the, the dude that could be a program-changing quarterback Right. Maybe leaving this program, right. Tom and Yursich better get their butts in there and keep that kid around. Yeah, I, and I would love for him to stay. Obviously, you talked about him being a transcendent talent. He's number one dual threat guy last year. Like that's how explosive yes. he was ranked in, in the ESPN and all the composite rankings that that do all this stuff. So uh, obviously, everybody else around the nation knew how special he was. Tom Herman and his staff knew how special he is. Uh, which is why they recruited him and, and was able to get him to sign and commit there. Uh, and, and the biggest thing, man, it, it, uh, it's tough whenever you play quarterback, though, because if you have two guys ahead of you, especially if they're going to give the job to, to Hudson Card, uh, you know, even before they've even had a chance to battle it out, you know, that just puts you behind the hole. And that's something that as a third string guy, you don't you don't want that label because typically you probably won't get a chance. Now, from the personal perspective of Jaquindon Jackson, if he does not get the opportunity to play at University of Texas or or at least try to get a starting role, I applaud him for entering the transfer portal because it will give him the opportunity to be able to go make a living in the future like he may be transcendent and if he can't do it at texas then i hope he does it somewhere else and obviously the transfer rules are going to affect that here in the next couple of weeks uh allowing guys to be able to play and be eligible immediately but uh you know i i very very much hope that texas is able to find a way uh to keep him on campus because this is a guy that can provide value and benefit in places that no other player on this texas roster can provide so uh, I, I'm 100% with you is he can be a, a, a guy that can take this team to new heights 
if he has the opportunity. Like I said, if he doesn't, then I understand the reasoning behind transferring because hey, he got to eat too. And if he has an opportunity to go start somewhere it. else, then hey, be 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 all for it and go take every opportunity and every moment that you can and live the best to the fullest of your abilities. That's the homer in me, dog. Well, no, I think anybody who, who's a college football purist, a fan of college football, and has since we're deeply rooted, embedded in, in this culture, the Texas Longhorn culture, mm-hmm. um, anybody who doesn't know what hards or any of us are talking about, just YouTube uh, Jaquindon Jackson, Duncanville. That's all you got to do and That's see it. what type of talent. I mean, the guy yep. could play linebacker. He could play uh, – that wide receiver, <laughs> running back, receiver, Jack. Anything. He can play anything. Yeah, he, he can uh, play all over the field. Horrible. Let's not forget they were trying to change Vince Young's position too. Let's not that forget that. That is very that. true. That's very true. It's Fozzie. We we're gonna take a quick break, but as we've we're trying to, you know, the last three or four episodes, we're we're, we're spewing the vitriol, so to speak, of the unknown of the program, the direction. But since it's the holidays, we're one week out. I've got a special question we do for you on the other side of this break, and it involves you singing and <laughs> uh, something in the past here. On the other side of this break, we'll get to know the Fozzie Whitaker a little bit more as we count down to Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, Last Dan has 12 days of Christmas. Mike Murphy doing very well. Beautiful hats, need I say. We'll return on the other side of this break. Great, great shameless plug there, guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) Happy holidays from the stories inside the Man Cave podcast, boys. And our mission to help promote the generous and hardworking nonprofit organizations in the Austin area we would like to highlight the Partnerships for Children organization, which helps 70 children annually find their forever family. They do so in conjunction with CPS by offering resources, support, and comfort for foster children and families. Partnerships for Children achieve this through four core programs, the Rainbow Room, Yes Mentoring, the Heart Gallery of Central Texas, and Holiday Wishes. To learn how you can support, serve, or donate to Partnerships for Children, visit their website, www.partnershipsforchildren.org, or give them a call, 512-834-4756. That number again, 512-834-4756. And be sure to tell them that the stories inside the Man Cave Podcast Boys recommended you to reach out to Partnerships for Children. That voice you hear, I think, was about four or five years ago when the Fozzie Whitaker was with the Carolina Panthers. I think it was three days before Christmas, and the Panthers had a Christmas Eve game, I think. And little did we know, Fozzie Whitaker has some pipes on him singing Christmas carols. And here he is. Fozzie, can you belt out maybe a verse of your favorite Christmas song by any chance? You know, you know, Sean. I, I don't reach a point in my life right now where you know I got to get paid to perform. <laughs> yeah. So there, there got to be in the mail, baby. 
Would a hat work? Would a hat work? A last stand hat would that work? Get your last stand hat, my cousin. Maybe just like, watch you just pull out a little drummer boy for us. Here's here's an interesting side story, though, to that. And it was actually revolving around this time. My senior year, after I tore my ACL, Mm. uh, we ended up going to the Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. We played against uh, University of Cal. Cal, uh, And that was during, I think we played on the 27th, maybe, either 27th or 28th. And uh, obviously, we're out in California for bowl preparation and all the uh, festivities and activities that we typically do uh, whenever you go to a bowl game that I'm sad the kids won't be able to do this year because Corona, but it's a fun experience. So we are out there. We have a team dinner on Christmas day uh, to celebrate, you know, the holiday, given the, given the fact that we don't have our family with us. Uh, We're we're with our extended family of our football team. And so the running backs, we all created our own little sound. We had our own branding. (laughs) Uh, it, it was comprised of obviously myself as a running back, Cody Johnson, uh, you know, Malcolm Brown, uh, DJ Monroe, Joe Bergeron, Jeremy Hills, uh, Alex De La Torre, um, who else? Aaron Smith, Jamison Berry Hill. We were all as a running back unit, were going to perform for all the our teammates, our coaches, the coaches' wives and everybody else uh, on the staff that was there in our hotel banquet area where we were having our team dinner. And so we performed Silent Night by the Temptations Beautiful. in front of in front of the That's entire, my jam, dog. entire crowd. I was did you lip sync or did you actually sing? Oh, we were actually singing. I was hitting all the high notes. You know, Joe Bergeron <laughs> came in with the deep voice. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. He came, he came <laughs> in with it. We all were harmonizing together, man. You'd have thought if we were in a recording studio, we might would have been able to put that on, on a player and sell it that night if, if we were able to have the acoustics right. But you know how it is. Echoes bouncing off. Oh, so it might not have, it might not have sounded the absolute. Day of the life, right? Just a day of life at <laughs> one time. <laughs> But it, it was absolutely amazing and fun. And that that is just something that for myself, man, I love doing, providing some joy with whatever the case may be and being able to uh, provide a little happiness. If it's me singing, dressing up, doing stuff, man, it's, it's all about having fun, being blessed, and, and, and being a blessing unto others as well. So that's kind of where all that stemmed from. And it kind of translated a couple years later to me doing kind of the same thing with the Panthers running backs for the, uh, for the Panthers community for us in the kind of the locker room area in the team meeting area. So uh, it's just, it, it was just fun, man. Holiday season is always fun to me. It really is. It, it's uh, you were wearing a reindeer onesie. If I, if I remember. Correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I had to come correct. <laughs> mate. So that, Why does Sean remember that? Why, Why does, does Sean, Sean remember know that? that? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, how Sean, Sean would be the only person that's ever <laughs> <laughs> reindeer. The rest of us are like, Oh, I wonder how that was singing. Was it cold outside? He's like, oh, I saw Rudolph Snows. It was, uh, it was a reindeer. That's half the performance, man. That half the performance is obviously the vocals. But the other half is, is what you look like. You know what I'm saying? The Temptations came with it. 
every single time they hit the stage. Yeah, so I had fun. to come with it in some form or fashion or some way. So that's what Didn't I show what it, what it was. I went with okay. It. <laughs> let's, let's talk football. Give it, who was your who the biggest hit you remember taking or giving in college and the pros where you got up and you were like, holy shit. Oh, like, biggest biggest hit hands down. My eye awakening, welcome to the NFL moment happened from Dan Williams, who Ooh. was who was a guy that was uh, what is Dan? He's probably about six one. About 340, like big guy, nose tackle, just coming through. I'm running scout team at the Arizona Cardinals. This was in 2012 whenever I first got picked up uh, as a practice squad player. And, man, I'm trying to give them the best look possible. You know, we're going up against our division rivals. I say, man, I'm going to give them a good look. You know, I'm going to come through, give them good speed, make sure everybody's good, make sure everything's great. Little did I know, I, didn't, I don't think our O-line got that same type of mindset whenever we were on the scout team because Dan came free and literally all I remember was my cleats up in the air over my head. So oh my I was like, oh, that was, that's, that's what it's like to hit a brick wall. That's what it feels like. And, and there I was. Now, it, it didn't hurt. It was just more so the fact that my ego was hurt because I was pumped up, ready to go. And I just got completely smacked. And I was like, okay, well, this is what it's like playing against some guys that, that are truly in the NFL. So that was my, like, biggest hit moment where I was just like, all right, I got to come with it slightly different than what I originally was thinking. I got to make sure my offensive linemen are, are on the same page as me, especially if we run a scout team because I'm not trying to die. Let me reevaluate real quick <laughs> of how I really want to address this. And move forward. That's pretty funny. That was your old silent night moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I wish I was singing the temptations then. <laughs> hey Fozzie, I wanted to ask you this too, man. I mean, your your career has had its ups and downs and and I've seen you at a bunch of camps. My son has been to a few of your camps and camps that you've been working at. And I always wonder, like, what do you tell people about your career? And when you talk to kids, how do you make sure that they understand, hey, man, don't give up on your dreams. Make sure you continue to work. Kind of like what I was saying about Jaquindon Jackson coming back from the knee injury to ACL and having the surgery, working his butt off to come back. What is your message to the young youth that, has gone through these these ups and downs and don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, man, it, it all stems from my mom, number one, man. I, I grew up in a single-parent household. Uh, my father died whenever I was at the age of three. I had two older brothers. Uh, it's kind of well-documented, but my mom is, is probably the strongest pillar in my life uh, for getting me to the point that I'm at now because without her and the way that she sacrificed for me and my, my two older brothers by herself, uh, you, you can't, you know, repay that. You can't replicate that. I, I wouldn't ever be able to pay that off uh, because that's what she meant to, to me and that's what we meant to her. But the number one thing that she always said, and obviously I respect my mother uh, a, a ton, is if I'm going to do something, make sure I do it 100%. Yes. I want to give great effort every single time I touch whatever it is. If I'm going to be 
in the band playing the tuba, like it mentions on my Longhorn Network profile, I want to be the best tuba player that I could ever be. If I'm going to play football, I want to be the best running back football player, kick returner that I can be. Now, what does it mean to be the best? What do you have to do in order to be the best? Well, number one, it starts with hard work. And that's where everything predicates off of my lifestyle. Everything is predicated off of working hard. There are no shortcuts in life. You hear that as, as a cliche phrase that's listed across movies and across what other people just mentioned out. But it's the truth in my, in my experiences and my opinion is that if you put in the hard work, good things will happen. You will benefit from what you put in. You reap what you sow. If you put in the hard work, you give yourself an opportunity to, number one, be prepared for whatever opportunity presents itself. You're already going to be ready for it. And then number two, other people are going to notice and you may start picking up their level of intensity about how they view a situation. So I talked about Charles Wright bringing his teammates up with him, making them better. That's what you want to see in a leader, somebody that's fearless, somebody that works hard. But at the same time, they're going to bring people with him because they believe in what he's doing. And what he's doing is so infectious that other people want to do it as well. And so that's where my mindset has always gone. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 100 percent so I can be the best at it. What does that look like? i got to start with hard work and dedication. That hard work is what's going to get me through this knee injury where I ended my senior career, my senior season, uh, and it ended my college career. I was having the best uh, season of my college career at the University of Texas. It all was taken away in the snap of a moment in Missouri uh, on November 12th. That but guess what? turf. But guess what? If I didn't have that knee injury, who's to say that I would have went to the NFL? Who's to say I wouldn't be in the position right now even talking to you guys and reach the level of status that I have reached in the Austin area, being a Longhorn Network analyst, opening up my own franchise, Burn Bootcamp right here in Cedar Park in the next couple of months, being able to be a mentor to a lot of these kids, starting my own nonprofit where I do camps and help out with kids in need and just being a mentor to all these kids in the community. Who's to say that would have taken, I would have taken that route if I didn't go through the adversity that I faced. And if I didn't go through that adversity and I didn't put in the hard work after I got injured and I didn't take rehab seriously, and if I didn't reach each level that I wanted to obtain, every goal that I set in the rehab process, who's to say that now I'm not a stronger person than what I was before I even had that injury? Now I feel like if I could overcome a major knee surgery that ended my college career, man, I could overcome anything. It, that, that's just what I believe in my mind. And like I said, it all started and goes back with number one, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it 100%. And if I want to be the best, then I have to put in the work and everything else will flow from that. My faith is, is, is huge in guiding me in that principle as well, because nothing would be possible without God, in my opinion. And that's who drives me. And that's how I have reached the level of where I am now. And I still feel like I may only be scratching the surface because only God knows, you know, where he wants to take me next. So that's kind of the message that I typically give to people just in a probably shorter version. But for the kids, <laughs> sure, I expand on it. For adults, they get the shorter version. The kids, right. they get the fully expanded version so that they can understand truly what it means and what it takes to get to the next level. Like you don't just show up 
half 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 running through drills or half working out in the weight room and then try to go on the field and act like you just going to be the next Vince Young. That just does not happen. You got to put in that work. And then it, even if you can hide it in high school and get recruited to a to a top college, it's not going to work once you get to college and trying to get to the NFL. So it's only going to take you so far before you have to take responsibility and ownership of what you're trying to put out on paper as your resume. Already, already. That's good stuff. Man, that positivity, that's, that's what everyone, between the smile, uh, the cerebral side of Fozzie Whitaker, and the entrepreneurial spirit of you. I mean, it's almost like people go to you for spiritual positivity. Um, <laughs> having said that, I mean, you have got your hands dipped into quite a few things from nonprofits. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. We'll drop right now. You're listening on a Friday. But as we're recording this, like tonight, you have a silent auction mm-hmm. for two youth foot, flag football teams and you're at uh, Moonshine Grill. Howard, now, does your son play for one of these so, flag football teams? So, yes, my son is on one of the teams that we're helping to raise funds with. Okay. Now, if you've played youth sports or, or been around youth sports, you know that everybody is not financially able right. to travel to Tampa and, and pay for all the extra expenses that go along with a plane flight, hotel, shoes, cleats, uniforms, flags, registration fees. Like it, it adds up in a heartbeat. And so the biggest thing, we teamed up with another team that kind of has uh, similar backgrounds and experiences with what we're trying to do as well. Uh, that the, the, the lady that we teamed up with, her name is Angela Pa, who helps coach uh, the Ball Hawks Elite, which is also located in the Cedar Park area. Uh, she is a phenomenal fundraiser. and She's the one that put this, this silent auction together. Uh, she was able to get all these different pieces uh, together to, to, to help create this, I guess, fun event, hopefully for people to, be, to take part in. Uh, all I told her I'd do is I show up, I try to get some of my buddies to uh, get some items and I show up to, to support, obviously, because it means that much to me as well. But um, I want to give a special shout out as well for people that have helped with Michael Griffin, Brian Arakpo, uh, Derek Johnson and Jamal Charles, uh, who allowed me to come by their house, get them to sign a picture, a 20 by 24 custom uh, artwork picture frame. Uh, and they were able to hand sign it for me. And man, uh, we're going to auction those items off along with uh, a ton of other items that Angela was able to help find and, and gather around so that we can help raise funds to help, you know, offset the cost for the people that definitely need that financial support because it can be a huge burden. And that's, that's the one thing that I've always loved about sports. It's like, you don't want sports to be a burden. Sports teaches you so much. Sports gives you so much. The camaraderie that you have with your teammates and your brothers and your sisters that you go to war with each and every week, uh, just practices, the amount of time that you spend together, the coaches having such a huge impact and an influence on your life. Like, I, I want that positive impact for all the kids to be able to experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare want one of the kids to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to be able to play in the Tampa tournament, which is a national tournament. We'll be playing against kids across the nation, Hawaii, Pittsburgh, Florida, California, Arizona, uh, Oklahoma, like Virginia. There are teams from all over flying in to be able to compete, uh, to be national champions. And I would hate to see 
one of these uh, six-year-olds or seven-year-olds or 10-year-old not, not be able to take part of it because his mother or his father doesn't necessarily have the financial support to be able to make it happen. So I said, if I can help out, I'm going to help out. If that means I got to pay out of my pocket, I would do that as well. And that means if we can find ways to fundraise money and people don't mind donating or want to, you know, come away with donations and, and get a reward through one of these silent auction gifts, then man, we're going to do that and give these kids the best opportunity to just enjoy themselves in Tampa and have fun playing the game that they love to play. Yeah. Well, down the road, make sure you reach out to Last Stand Hats. We'll donate a big old bundle of hats and whatnot that you guys can auction off as well. So Awesome. Um, I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, not a problem, man. This is also a good time to announce the elevator pitch to Fozzie Whitaker becoming his new hat company at Last Stand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we'll, we'll make our Twitter and social media announcement later in the year, maybe 2021. <laughs> but uh, no, no, seriously. Yeah, definitely reach out to us next time, and we'd love to be a part of that. Most definitely. Thank Fozzie, you. did I did we did I see this right? Um, you were shooting an Old Spice deodorant commercial. <laughs> no, so it wasn't for Old Spice <laughs> per se. I'm not that big time yet. I guess my Facebook <laughs> videos hasn't hasn't hit them yet. So maybe maybe we can circulate that a little bit more, so maybe they can uh, come through and and sign me up. But so there's a, a new soap company called Source Soap. Okay. Uh, and and it's uh, actually made by a former athlete who created this soap. It's actually really cool. It's infused with menthol and all natural ingredients, but it's in the shape. Like Newports? Like a... <laughs> I thought the same thing. I'm like, I used to smoke Newports too. He knows, he knows Newports. He had a Newport in his face. Like, yeah, it's got that menthol. It's got that hard hit. <laughs> uh, not, not like Newports. Like, uh, you know, Virginia Slim? Like NXTs where you can crush it. Take a camel crush. If, if y'all ever use, like, it's like a eucalyptus type thing. Right. If you put, if you put like, that, yeah, I got you. Uh, that mint on your body, it gives you that tingling sensation, that cooling sensation. So uh, that's what it's used for. But the source is actually a really cool product. It's shaped like a tool, like a soft tissue tool. And you actually scrub it and dig it into your body as if it was a tool. So you get clean, but at the same time, it gives you a little soft tissue massage. But uh, that's a sponsorship through former Texas linebacker Jeff McCulloch, who uh, oh, wow. is now working on his own channel and, and show production that he's taking a part of that I'm being able to help out with. He reached out to me. So he's creating a show called Life After. And what Life After is about is about, you know, collegiate athletes, once they finish playing their, NFL, I mean, their college careers, you know, what does it look like getting into the normal world? What does it look like uh, where they go from here? How does that like translate to what they're trying to do? And so people don't have ideas of what they want to do. Some people haven't even graduated. Some people may have graduated, but don't know, uh, you know, where they want to uh, take their talents as far as what they've learned in their graduation, uh, their degree plan, what they want to pursue. Uh, you know, once they finish playing football, sports has been a part of a lot of our lives for our entirety. So what does that look like? So Jeff is, is, is uh, taking over this, this show. He's putting together a show that'll be airing on YouTube and Instagram uh, about how he's getting guys acclimated to life after sports. Uh, and he reached out to me to be a mentor to some of these guys, uh, given the relationship that I have with UT players and, and former athletes in general, and kind of just some of the insight and wisdom that I've learned 
that hopefully I can share on to them to allow them to make that transition a lot easier. So that's kind of where it all started. And we was filming a commercial to uh, kind of broadcast some of those types of things. Our, uh, our good friend, Peyton Thompson. I just saw, yeah, Peyton, I just saw Jeff. Yeah. We've had Peyton on the podcast as well. I know Peyton, you know, had a few brewskis with him out of left field, yeah. the baseball field there and all the baseball games. But yeah, I saw McCullough uh, interviewing him. That was, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's uh, also one of the uh, mentors that'll be taking part in that, and I've had a a, a really cool relationship with Peyton as well, man. I'm, I got to meet him last or this year actually, and man, he's one of those people that's down to earth. Played for the Jags uh, for a number of years in the NFL as well, so uh, just a really cool person. That, that it, the Shark was his nickname. He. Mm-hmm. I honestly was one of the most intelligent in the 22 years when I was on the media side of things. Yeah. One of the most intelligent, well-spoken, just a, a, ahead of his time. And it just, Wasn't he a Charlie Strong guy? Yeah. He yeah, because yeah, McCullough's one that ripped off his jacket. I mean, they, just, yeah. they had that yesterday when they were showing the – like I guess right when you guys were starting, Fozzie, I was staying up watching the reruns and stuff and – you know, McCullough's on there as well. So, I yeah, mean, his knowledge of the of world around like, him. He's a trainer as well. He's also got, like, a rental yeah, company that rents out trainer, cars yeah. and boats. I'm like, yeah, I just want to hang out with that guy. He seems like a cool dude. <laughs> he's, no, he's don't get me wrong, You seem like a nice guy, too, but, I mean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't got any Lambos I can put you in. No. I, ain't, I ain't trying to put on Christmas onesies and hang out with you, though, man. I'm just trying to. <laughs> well, I saw well, your you, Christmas you picture, Mike. Oh, I saw. Hey. Yo, my we're going to post fire. that picture. Hey, tell Fozzie about you and your wife's Christmas photo. So I've got – we we went to this – It's full disclosure, it was from last year, like this Christmas party last year we went to. <laughs> but it was so fire and it was so fitting that we just had to make sure that we posted it. But it's basically my wife and I – I'm going to post – there you go, Foz. Yeah, so we're just sitting there. I mean, it's literally – it's classic. It's, I mean, this is one of these. It's going to be a trap music Christmas album cover in like 15 years. It's, there it, it is. Ages that well, like a fine line. It's uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm pretty proud of it. No, it was. It represented what 2020 <laughs> has been. Oh, this wore out. <laughs> worn out. Just we're done. Done with it. Well, that's how we usually wrap things up. Um, everybody tells a man cave story. Um, you can go deep, you can go football related, you can go a life story, something humorous, something serious, you know, but we, we prefer humor, but man, Hey, the world, according to Fozzie Whitaker there, I'm sure there's plenty of man cave stories. <laughs> man, it, it, there are a ton of man cave stories for sure. Especially in the locker room, whenever I was, uh, with, with the Panthers, man, uh, one of the funniest things. I, I gotta, I gotta put my dog on blast. But like, we used to, we used to go in training camp. And training camp in Carolina was in Spartanburg, South Carolina, at Wofford College. Right. And um, we would go out there and we would rent these golf carts so that we wouldn't have to walk around the entire campus whenever we were going from meetings and, and to practice, and then back to the dorms, which was kind of located uh, on the other side of campus. And so. Uh, one day, the running backs, we're, we're all driving around, and one of the guys was, like, trying to take a curve too fast and started turning it. And if you know anything about a golf cart, they, they can tip over quite easily. Easily. 
And man, I say they was on the ground, flipped over. Two of the running backs were on the ground, flipped over. Nobody was injured, which is why I can say this story. But it was the funniest like moment because they were trying to get out of meeting so fast <laughs> that they <laughs> they ended up forgetting about their own personal safety, trying to get back to the dorms and flipped a card over. And man, everybody just stood there dying laughing. After we paused for a quick second to make sure everybody was okay. Yeah. And then just, oh, well, just now, I mean you gotta give hey, you can't just like me saying like, <laughs> I these, yo, I hung out with these two chicks the other night, man. Boy, they were bad. They're like, we well, gotta have proof. Like who were they? Right. So the driver was C.J. Anderson, and his passenger was Kenyon Barner. And that was the, the probably funniest moment of training camp that year, them trying, trying to skirt off in, in the little golf cart that only goes maybe 10 miles per hour and, and tipping it over, trying to get back to the dorm. <laughs> Boz, it's been fun. Well respected, man, and a good friend, a good uh, ambassador to uh, the University of Texas. And that is a wrap on episode 47 for the absent Coach Mo, Big Mike, and Harge. We out. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Merry Christmas, my people. Merry Christmas from the Temptation. Sweet. Yeah! <laughs> Got a baby, Fozzie. <laughs> we good, player.